Welcome back to the On Life Podcast. Today, it's just the guys. Patty is not here. Patty, if you're listening out there, we miss you today. But it's uh, me and John Carlo holding down the fort. And we're talking about something that we tend to see a lot with our online students. And for people even that we see every day at work or in our church, uh, or churches, I should say. And that is the topic of church hurt and how we deal with that. Um, I think ultimately, when you get people who are not perfect which none of us are, together in a group, uh, at some point or another, you're going to be hurt in some way. And how do, we, how do we cope with that? How do we not allow that to hurt our um, experience with church and um, you know, what that means for us? So I'm really looking forward to speaking about this. I have some personal stories, and I'm sure a lot of us listening to this probably have their own personal stories of things that have happened that have um, you know, kind of shook their... Um, belief or understanding of kind of what church was like for them. And so looking forward to talking about this. Uh, John Carlo, who is our guest today? Hello, everyone. As Brian was saying, today it's only the boys. And <laughs> I'm very excited for this topic. For today's guest, we have Wes Franklin, Executive Director of Elder Shepherd at Liberty University. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, Thanks welcome. for having me today. So maybe to kick this off, um, what does church hurt mean to us today? Like I know you know, church hurt could mean a lot of different things, but like I think for the most part, when people talk about church hurt, like what are they kind of like referring to when they talk about that? So broad, isn't it? Yeah. Like I think, I think it's on a, on a spectrum of um, what that can mean. And I think, you know, even for people in the way that they engage with what hurt actually means for them um, uh, can vary uh, as well. I think, um, I think, but primarily what what people are interacting with, with that particular phrasing, um, is some sort of interaction with either uh, church members, um, pastoral staff, or staff members uh, of a church that has in some way um, created some type of uh, pain uh, in their life, typically a uh, you know, uh, emotional or even spiritual uh, pain, some type of um, abuse in some kind of way that they have have sensed uh, that that has come their way, um, and uh, it's it's very prevalent uh, in a lot of churches. And as you just said in your uh, monologue there, opening up, um, you know, we're broken people, yeah. and. Um, I'm I'm not surprised by uh, some of it. A lot of it can be avoided. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but anytime uh, two people interact and have different opinions and um, situations arise, there there's the potential of uh, you know a hurt being created yeah. uh, in the midst of that. Mm-hmm. Going more practical into this topic, that way maybe some online students can relate. What could be some examples of the church hurting? Some of us. Wow. Um, you know, I've been in ministry now for um, just a little over over 20 years. Um, I mean, some examples uh, could l- literally be um, someone who has, it doesn't even have to be a staff position or a pastoral position uh, in the church. It could literally be a volunteer who's been given a, a role of some type of leadership uh, in the church that, um, you know, uses the the tactic of manipulation 
uh, to get something that they want out of out of someone uh, in order for them to gain a foothold for whatever reason, uh, controlling someone. Right. Um, and oftentimes that can that can start by looking like it was just oh, it was just a naive thing. I didn't really recognize what was going on. And then it's kind of like um, the proverbial frog in the in the pot with the heat slowly being turned up, turned up, doesn't know to jump out mm. and they just keep staying. And that begins to affect their their mental health. Uh, and they didn't know that it'd been happening for for a while. Yeah, I think, um, you know, especially like I feel like today, especially people are really um, like they put a lot of stock in like hypocrisy, like like that. That's one of the big things that's like dealing with that. They're just like. You, you you totally lost me because you're a hypocrite. You know, like like I feel like growing up in the church, and maybe I was naive to this, but obviously, like you know, like hypocrisy still was a thing. But I feel like it's talked about so much more now as as like a big cause that I hear about of people that are just like, yeah, I just you know, they weren't walking the walk, and I just had a bad experience, and I just didn't see a difference between church and my my unsaved life so what's the point you know like i've heard a lot of that uh from people who i've tried to talk to and it's it's just uh it's like one of those things that's like it's avoidable but also not in the same yeah. way you know yeah and i think that's so so true I, I, you know we talk a lot about um what we so if you think about your behavior like worldview right you start thinking about your your behaviors is the external things that you can sort of sort of see but then that's informed by uh, a lot of what what you believe um what is true you know what is real uh putting together people's worldviews and then there's these values within that and people will say i value uh going to church reading the bible uh x y and z but their behavior doesn't quite match Mm -hmm. up to that and and of course, someone who, you know, is not yet been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb looks upon that situation and say, "Well, you say that you value these things, but your behavior doesn't match those things." Well, that's a legitimate claim, yeah. right? Like it should be a legitimate claim. And instead of um, maybe taking what someone has said and getting internal and assessing my own heart and situation, saying, "You know what? I think they." Are right about that. We inadvertently, well, not inadvertently, we do get uh, defensive about yeah. it, and so we don't want to yeah. hear it, right? Yeah. Like, and we end up hurting people because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's unfortunate. What I, a, oh, sorry, John Kello, go ahead. <laughs> now, I was just curious to know if you ever had like a negative experience in church, or if you know someone close to you that suffered a negative experience that maybe changed their mindset about what church is or could be. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I've been following Jesus for a long time now, and um, God has um, blessed me with being able to uh, have a vast ex- church experience. Um, I grew up in a little small rural uh, town in the, in the South. Um, you know, that's one way of doing church, to, mm-hmm. you know, living in the Middle East and... Um, worshiping with those of a completely different culture other than my own and a different language other than my own. Um, and so it's just this broad spectrum for me in which I've been able to participate in the body of Christ. And um, it's beautiful. 
it really is uh, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, is is such a beautiful picture of what um, Jesus said um, in in the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Mm. Um, but as we're talking about and being broken people, like man, we can screw it up really, really fast. Yeah. You know, um, we I lived in the UK for a number of years, and um, the church that we attended there was a um, I won't call the denomination, but it it was um, it was not uh, you know a Church of England church. It was a mm-hmm. church that had been planted there near um, you know some military installations, and um, you know they were much more careful uh, about keeping to the traditions uh, rather than they they were um, some other things. In other words, mm-hmm. like. Um, you know, women can't wear pants or men must wear a tie, hmm. like this sort of stuff, like the externals yeah, uh, rather yeah. than the internals. And they they would use that to control people as if, like, I had lost my salvation because I showed up one, one Sunday uh, without a tie on. Or um, I read from a different translation of, of the Bible mm-hmm. than, than, you know, they hold to. Uh, and they want to tell me that uh, that's not the true translation of Scripture. You, you guys know where I'm going with this, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and they use yeah. those typical things to not allow people who have been saved by the blood of God and are walking mm. in the Spirit can't then serve in certain capacities in the church yeah. because they don't want to wear a tie or because they don't want to read from certain... You see what I mean? Like, Yeah, it's just like it's sad It like, is when you stop and think about it, like, man, like the potential there to to have that you know quashed because of something like that like yeah. a, like a man-made thing you and know? what does it do to people like it it creates um behavior modification than it does transformation i'm all yeah. about the tra- I'm, i want to be transformed mm-hmm. uh, i think if i'm transformed um in the deepest you know recesses of who i am and working through this idea of of sanctification um, then you know my behaviors will change as a result of that, and I don't have to earn God's uh, yeah. love. I can't. He mm-hmm. already loves me as much as He's ever going to, mm-hmm. and so I get to operate out of that love. But when you when you do behavior modification or what has oftentimes been you know labeled um, um, what, is, what is the term something uh, deistic therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Um, then what you end up with is behavior modifications that really doesn't change anything. It's like um, it's like someone who I don't know uh, maybe um, has some kind of an addiction. Like let's say smoking cigarettes. I grew up in a generation where everybody smoked, mm-hmm. you know, uh, years ago. Um, and when people started wanting to stop smoking because they recognized the effects of it, it was really hard. Like and people would say you need to stop smoking, but until they determine that that's what needs to happen, like it's going to be very difficult uh, for them. And so I think as this relates to, you know, the behavior modification, like the transformation needs to come from from prayer and the reading of Scripture. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah my um, kind of church hurt story, I guess, has a lot to do with, um, like, I guess the, the, the best way that I could describe it is like a country club mentality mm-hmm. where there was, there was certain folks in the church that were the like main financial givers. And so if you didn't do what they wanted, they would say, ah, oh, you know what? I'm not going to tithe for a couple months. And all of a sudden mm, the church can't pay so their bills. Tied to money. 
Yeah, and so it it quickly became a situation where we were we were a very healthy church. We were busting at the seams, and just a couple people that had the financial control were able to say like, I don't. I don't want that type of people here, mm-hmm. or I don't, you know, like we had a really big celebrate recovery ministry and it was reaching a lot of people, but they weren't, you know, uh, classy enough or whatever mm. for this particular group of people that were paying the bills. Mm. And so, you know, it just became this thing where it's like, well, this is ours. It's not God's. And it just created a lot of issues. I was, I was on the, I was on the platform and, uh, I was I was leading this like uh, like real prayerful song at the end of service like altar call type deal, and uh, this guy stood up and started screaming at the pastor, uh, and the pastor who had had enough at this point started screaming back, which was not a good <laughs> not a good response, and it just created this whole like half the congregation was with the pastor, the other half was with this other guy, and this big fight happened, and um, you know. A bunch of people left the church, and my parents left the church. They haven't been back to uh, to to any church oh, in you know ten years, and um, you know I'm I'm still working on them to say, hey, you know that was that was one experience, and you know that was that was one group of people. But like, man, like how how often do we as 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 people take our own preferences or our own um, you know, not biblically centered beliefs and try to shove it into what is God's, you know, I I just think, um, for me, um, there's a couple situations that all revolved around money Mm. and it's like, man, like I wish it wasn't like that, but it is. Yeah. You know, it is. There's just some beautiful passages of scripture that deals with that. Uh, you know, I think about Acts six, um, when the 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 Greek like the Hellenistic women weren't getting the distribution of food and they were talking about that and so some of the pastors were saying like hey like we can't do this and minister the word and and pray too and so this is oftentimes where anybody who's familiar with church and hears the word you know deacon like those servants of the church kind of came from um, and um, biblically. Um, and they began to to serve, and that was one of the things that they didn't allow to have because they had had all things uh, in common uh, mm-hmm. with one another, and was able to distribute, you know, food to um, to those that are around them. And and wealth wasn't a thing that was in the way yeah. uh, for them. And I do I, I do know for a lot of people who might be listening to this podcast that um, the use uh, of of money. Uh, in the church has been a, a major issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friend who, um, a very close friend, um, who doesn't have a personal relationship with Jesus yet. He knows uh, a lot about Jesus and facts, things that I've shared with him uh, over the years. And, um, you know, we were on a hike one day, and um, I asked him because you know, he knows a lot about Jesus and he knows my walk with the Lord. And I asked him one day, like, what keeps you from believing? And um, he said, well, I feel like I have a, a blanket over my heart. And I said, well, if you could name the blanket, what what label would you give it? And and he said, religion. Mm. Yeah. And uh, he said, man, I'm going to tell you, like, these people who, and he started to recount things that he had seen, these men who would stand up on a on a stage in a you know a Gucci suit and these hmm. gold watches and and say give me your money and 
he knows that they're flying a $52 million jet and, you know, all this sort of stuff and this yeah. abuse of, of power. Um, and that's, you know, like for us, that's kind of the big picture of it. There's many ways to have abuse of power, even in the smaller recesses. But for him, that was a, a big one in it. It is, it's been one of those things that's really kept him from moving closer toward, toward the church. My, my experience, <clears throat> which is kind of similar to what both of you guys were talking about, as a Liberty student, here we have like many resources to connect spiritually, like campus community, convocation, community groups, which is great. I love it. And at the same time, I feel it could be sometimes easy or tempting to fall into the mentality that you relate Christianity to what you see people like friends or pastors or like resident shepherds do and they become kind of your reference and all of us are humans all of us are not perfect we're gonna make mistakes and as soon like one of these references you have of Christianity of what the church is like makes a mistake then everything you build up will fall down because your foundation won't be like jesus and christ it will be like okay this church this worship collective this uh pastor these different reference you you reference you create in your head and i felt like okay i had some friends that were like that they're like stop getting involved with this christian fellowship event just because they heard okay the leader did this or the leader said mm. that and i don't like that so boom their entire christianity is ruined let's say it's like you're putting your faith in man instead of that's right exactly yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. our online community is growing more and more day by day and we want you to be a part of it in collaboration with the alumni relations office online life has developed an online community that allows you to connect with other online students around the world to join sign up for the alumni community and connect with different online student groups this community offers mentorship academic advice from other students online events and prayer make your account today and connect with students and alumni for encouragement throughout the duration of your program Join us today for free of charge at www.liberty.edu slash communities. Welcome back to this episode of the On Life podcast. Uh, we're having a great conversation with Wes. And as we were talking, I just, something came up to my mind. Like if you see one of your brothers or sisters struggling with these negative church experiences, let's say, how can, how can we help? How can we assist them? Mm. I think I think first is really listen. I think far too often people want to um, jump in and give answers before they really understand their situation and even the depth of it. Right? Uh, there's a, a lot of people who have really been uh, been hurt in some very deep ways, and so I think first uh, is just to listen and, and listen well and give them a chance to maybe have a safe space to say some things that they've never said before to anybody. And they've had these thoughts rattling around in their head. Uh, I think, you know, post-listening, um, I think one of the things that I recognize that Jesus did so well uh, throughout the Gospels um, was he asked really good questions. And so I think asking questions that are are questions that maybe would help guide back towards Scripture. So you're, you're asking a question with an intention to get back toward the Word. Um, and allow them to 
maybe make some assessments of their own related to some of those questions and maybe force them to dig a little deeper towards some of those things. And then things that need to be affirmed that they were right in thinking, affirm those. I think I think that's helpful. I don't think it's good just to say, well, I can't believe you had that experience and it shouldn't be that way. Like mm. somebody needs to hear you say, you know, if it, if it's true, I understand that. Like, like you're right in having that hurt and that pain. I'm sorry that you had to experience mm-hmm. experience that. What do you say to somebody who, because I deal with this a lot with my family, is like, well, I can I can still follow God and just not go to church. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, I can hang out in His creation and talk to Him that way. Like, um, what do you say to folks like that who just have been hurt so bad that they're just like, I don't want nothing to do with the 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 church thing. I just want to have my own little mm-hmm. prayer life with God, and that's it. Yeah, um, I've heard that as well uh, myself uh, often. Uh, times, um, and maybe even in my own family as well, not my immediate family, but within my family members. Um, you know, it's interesting in how God designed us. Uh, if you go back to Genesis 1, uh, 26 and 27, he, he says, let us make man in our own image and in his image and in his likeness we were created. Well, this us and our is our first indication of this Trinitarian God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? And if that's true, and I believe that it is, um, then we have our Creator Himself is in community with Himself in that way, and He created us as relational beings to be in community with other people. And so you get to post the cross— people who are saved by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, um, we are now, in a redemptive way, have the ability more than we ever have to be back into that pure relationship with the Father that we've ever been with and those around us in in healthy, biblical, spiritual community. Uh, The other one is is when Jesus was um, treading this earth, I, I I could be wrong about this, so the audience can judge me on this, but I believe this comes from Matthew chapter um, maybe 16. I don't remember where, but um, Jesus has been teaching. He's, he's healed some people. Um, crowds have started to gather around him, and Jesus' mother and his brothers um, are, are trying to get to him, but there's a large crowd around him, and he can't, and word gets to him that his mother and brothers want to see him. And Jesus says, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? These, and he points over basically toward the disciples. These are my mother. These are my brothers, right? And he's talking about the, the spiritual family. He's not, he, he's, he's not saying anything about blood family. He's not deplatforming that. He's just elevating the spiritual family to a place that most of us don't recognize, right? And I love that aspect. And let me tell you something. I, we were made to be in community with one another, and I want to be in community with one another, even though it's in in a, in a broken sense and in a, but mm-hmm. but yet a redeemed sense. I I need you guys. I need men like you in in my life where I get to do a local church worship experience uh, together. Uh, I can't do it alone on my own. I can't do online church. I need the physical interaction. Yeah with other men and women in my life. Yeah, I think a big thing for me is even, like, discipleship and, you know, stuff like that. Like, 
there's there's folks who are older in the faith at my church that have really poured into me, um, and I've I've been able to pour into people who you know are maybe younger um, in that way, and I think that that's that's pretty hard to get when you're just at home watching can't get that. TV guys on you know your couch. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, like I like I think that's a that's a big part of being in the family of God, and you know, quite frankly, families are dysfunctional. <laughs> they are what yeah. I mean. At I least mine know. is. I don't know about you guys, but mm-hmm. you know, there's there's always that one weird uncle or something that mm-hmm. is just like you still love them, but you know, are you the weird uncle in your <laughs> no. family? Right? Well, actually, I don't know. Maybe I am. <laughs> I don't know. Talking about ourselves, as we were saying, like in our own spiritual journey and being surrounded by a good Christian community, what if like at some point in our lives we suffer like a negative experience or adverse experience at church? How can we personally start the journey of healing from these experiences and left left the wounds that were left in our souls by the church or church community we belong to? Such a great question. And I don't think it's one that's, uh, asked often enough, and I don't think it's addressed enough. Um, there's an old saying that <clears throat> hurt people hurt people, right? Um, <clears throat> and I think it has to start, if if I've been hurt, I have to stop and recognize, one, I've been hurt, and what was the hurt, and I need to deal with that hurt. Um, personally, I need, to, I need to work through. It, is it going to require me maybe doing some things that's going to be a little uncomfortable? Probably. Like even within myself, uh, and, and maybe admitting some things that uh, I did right or wrong um, could be hurtful. I have to start that healing process. Is it going to require maybe I, I go and interact and maybe confront or work through conflict resolution with another brother and sister in Christ and seek forgiveness? Yeah, probably. Um, and I think because of the people are risk adverse, they, they don't want to step into that. Oftentimes we don't do that. Not even with ourselves. I'm not talking about just with with someone else, right? If that's the case, uh, let's think about it for a minute. How many people are walking around wounded? Mm. They they've never actually like you use the word uh, healed. They've never spiritually been healed uh, in that way, and so they're walking around with a spiritual wound that the enemy is using to just continue to drive a wedge further and further in their heart. It's like. Um, I like war movies. Like I, I love it's an old movie. It's called Braveheart. Y'all remember Braveheart? Oh yeah, that's such a good movie. Um, you know, if if we lived in that time and we thought about you know the, the the way warfare was done during that time, being hit with let's say a sword, right? Um, one of the first things, I, if I got hit in the arm with a sword and cut me open, I, immediately the first thing I'm going to want to do is stop that bleeding, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to want to like make sure that I cover. Um, cover my my arm up and and get a bandage on it. And then I'm going to want to clean it and put salve. Like there's things we do physically to stop bleeding, to heal a wound, but we don't do that when it comes to like spiritually. Like we just will continue to allow that thing to fester and stay open. And what yeah. we need is is we need to take that back to to Christ and back back to brothers and sisters who can help yeah. us walk through that and get healing. Yeah, I, I think it's real easy for people. I mean, just looking at Lynchburg, I mean, there's like a thousand churches here in Lynchburg, you know, it's mm-hmm. crazy where it's like, like, I feel like, it, like, instead of stepping into those kind of healthy confrontational moments, people are just like, oh, well, I'll just go to no church then, you know, mm-hmm. and, That's they, right. and they just kind of hop around and yeah. like avoid part of the walk that is hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. And two, I think, um, 
you know, another part of that, that question is, um, <laughs> there's so many points of thinking about like John 13, uh, for example, where Jesus washes the disciples feet, like really being in a, in a position of, of serving others and, and being served. Um, many people don't even like to receive. And so they don't want to deal with what's going on inside because they don't want to receive accountability yeah. uh, in a healthy biblical way. And so maybe they've been the one that's caused hurt and they they leave, right? And if they leave, guess what they're going to do when they go somewhere else? That's, I mean, it's in the scriptures. Like Jesus told us, like, it's going to happen and here's the way yeah. you deal with it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But most people are just risk averse. And... Yeah, I, I think the last question I would have would be, um, you know, th- like there are situations where it's definitely like good to maybe change churches or like if that's the situation that kind of plays out, you know. Um, I, I guess my question would be like, how do you discern like when that time has come? Like, like you know, I'm a big believer in you know, trying to work through those issues and staying in that family, you know, mm-hmm. but at what point is it, is it healthy? And I know a lot of situations are different, but what are maybe some practical ways that people can kind of discern, you know, when it's time to maybe move on from a situation? Mm-hmm. I think it's a good question. I think it's going to be a little bit different, uh, you know, for each family, each situation. I think if you've put skin in the game to work toward, reconciliation when there's been hurt um, both parties have recognized uh, where the hurt was and, and, and what the result of the hurt was and that correction is needed just admitting it doesn't mean that the person either party is going to make the correction that that needs I think they're they're then if someone says yeah I did hurt you Brian I'm sorry about that like I'm, I'm going to correct that I want to rebuild trust in our relationship. It's going to take time. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to, like, you're going to feel like you're under a microscope with 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 Wes, right? Nobody likes feeling that. But I'm also, part of this is my own responsibility to not make you feel that way. Like, you don't yeah. owe me anything. Like, what I need to know is, like, you're working that out in your relationship with Jesus, right? Like, you're working through that process. But what's going to happen over a period of time is, like, am I going to see that the correction is actually taking place or are you still continuing down that pathway? And if you're in leadership, that's particularly if it's in like people who are in leadership roles uh, in the church, if, if they're not pretty quickly making some, some corrections uh, and I can see that we're going to continue down this road when I've gone through the biblical model of, you know, Matthew 18 of trying to seek uh, forgiveness and, and reconciliation, then I'm probably going to have to make some decisions for, for my family. Yeah. Especially if I have family, if if I'm if if I'm a single man, um, I might would make a different choice. But if it's creating additional hurt to, you know, a wife and and some children, like you, you might you might make a different decision. And I've seen people stay too long, and I've seen people go too soon. Yeah, yeah. You? Yeah, same here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, one of the questions that I've been asking all of our guests this season has nothing to do with this topic, um, but. It's been really cool to hear the wide range of answers on this one, so I'm going to ask it to you, too. Uh, what words of encouragement do you have for our online students out there at Liberty that are 
um, all walks of life all over the world trying to do this thing called school. Uh, also, you know, having families and working and everything that's going on with that. Like, well, what are some words of encouragement you might have for them? Yeah. Um, well, for anybody that might be an online student listening, uh, I didn't go to I didn't go to uh, even start college till I was 30. So I had a family and the majority of, of online uh, students, the average age is 32 years old. Um, a couple of years ago, I pulled the statistics of uh, Liberty University online students and we had a, a student that was 90 years old, yeah. uh, as a matter mm-hmm. of fact. Yeah. And so, um, you know, with the average age being uh, people uh, in a place where they've probably already got a, a vocation or working toward that and, and you know, quite a bit of, uh, of life experience, um, I, I would say, man, like uh, education is good. Uh, and, and I would say, like, keep leaning in. Uh, it may take you a little longer uh, than you had anticipated, um, but but don't give up. Yeah. Uh, and I would also say this, like, uh, life comes at you, and you have to make some really hard decisions sometimes, um, whether that's for your family or educationally or financially or organizationally, whatever those uh, things, things may be. Um, but one of the things that uh, I would just in- encourage you uh, with uh, as being an online student is, um, don't be so hard on yourself. Uh, work hard and show yourself approved uh, as unto the Lord, but don't don't beat yourself up. Sometimes we have to make hard decisions in life uh, that we don't want to make, uh, but are the are the choice that we need to make in order to keep ourselves healthy. Um, if you keep pressing in and you know it's going to be an unhealthy situation, like, please don't <laughs> do that. Keep yourself healthy, yeah. mind, body, and spirit. Right? Yep. There you go. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Wes, for being here, man. This has been a great conversation. Um, before you go, so typically at this point of the show, I'm not sure if you've uh, been a listener of the sure. podcast, yeah. but Patty usually has uh, like a fishbowl of fun questions, just like a get-to-know-you question. Yeah. Uh, Patty and the fishbowl are not here today, but Giancarlo is prepared. He told me when we got in here today, he's got the question ready. All I right. have a question. So, yeah, I just woke up got? and had the question in my mind. It's a pretty simple question I would like to ask you guys. What is your favorite month of the year and why? We mm. can start with you, Wes. Start with me. My favorite month. Uh, I don't know if I've ever been asked that. Um, I would probably have to say um, April. Hmm. Um, I think because I, I love warmer uh, weather and I love to see uh, the season, particularly if you're in Virginia or somewhere where you get four seasons, um, things start coming back to life. The weather starts yeah. to warm up. Um, trees are getting leaves. It's budding. Uh, there's something in the association with that, with the resurrection of Jesus that I absolutely love with it being Easter season. And in addition to all those things, it's my wife's month birthday. So <laughs> that's a good month. For me, um, <clears throat> probably the total opposite of that would be October. We're actually We're recording this right now in October. Um, I just like after a very oppressively hot summer, we can have nice cool weather again. <laughs> and, um, you know, like I love seeing the leaves change and I love, uh, like having some campfires in my backyard and just a lot of things I couldn't necessarily do when it was 99 degrees outside. And so, uh, it's just been really cool now that we're hitting this time of season here that I can get outside a little more and not be dying. <laughs> so... Uh, like it's a nice respite for me to. That's great. For to. me, Brian, I don't mind the 99 degrees. Weather, okay. To be honest, my favorite month is August. Oh. For two reasons: it's my birthday month, 
And also I feel like my favorite season is summer and I feel in August summer reached its peak. Mm. So I don't know. I just think of August as a month like to relax, to have fun. And yeah, I guess it's just my favorite. That's great. Okay. Okay. That's also my birthday month. Oh, what day? Seven. I'm eight. Get out of town. Look at that. (laughs) You guys didn't even know. Look at that. We learned something about each other today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before we sign off, uh, the past couple episodes, I've been trying to put a plug in for our last episode of the season. And so I'm going to do that again right now. Uh, Last episode of the season is going to be all about you as the listener. So um, we are trying to collect voice memos or emails. So we want to be able to feature your thoughts and ideas and questions and comments and concerns and everything you have going on on the last episode of this season. So uh, send your voice memos or your emails to online student life at liberty.edu and make sure you put podcast in the subject line and we will play that on the show and uh, feature you. We'll call you up by name and uh, we'll answer your questions or whatever you got. We're also going to be playing some bloopers and just talking about some of our favorite moments from this past season of the podcast. So make sure you tune into that. Now, Giancarlo, are you ready to fill in for Patty once again? I'm ready. I'm very prepared for this. (laughs) All right. Well, this has been the On Life Podcast. Living in abundance wherever God puts you. The On Life Podcast is a production of the Office of Student Life at Liberty University.